Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you'll find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. I am Sergeant First Class Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command. And today we have a couple returning guests. We have Sergeant Major Winter Washington and Sergeant First Class Samantha Recker, part of the Team 19 retention team. And uh, thank you for returning to the podcast, both of you. Thank you for having us. Good morning. And... um, you might have you might recognize if you didn't listen to the previous podcast, you might recognize both these voices if you listen to AFN Daegu, because uh, they're hopefully you become a regular uh, guest on their show. And I was actually thinking, I think maybe both of you are blessed with n- good DJ names too. I mean, you could have <laughs> DJ Wrecker, you know, the Wrecking Ball. I don't know. I mean, and Star Major, you know, any number of choices for you. <laughs> We call her Blizzard. Yeah, <coughs> DJ there, Blizzard. The morning chill. Oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> or morning freeze. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about uh, a lot of things about people's careers. Hopefully, this is a lot of good information you can use uh, for soldiers and and family members alike. I know uh, my spouse, um, even even my son, he's getting older, starting to understand this army business a little more. They family members have questions about careers too. So um, let's start off with. Uh, we're talking about SRRs today, and break down the SRR for me, Sergeant Recker. All right, so an SRR is a service remaining requirement, right? So whenever you're placed on an assignment, you have to ensure that you meet the service remaining requirement to complete either that assignment and or what comes next, right? So for Korea, you have to have the time to complete a either a accompanied or unaccompanied tour, and then you have to have time to go back to the States. Right, so a service remaining requirement is an HQDA prerequisite for a soldier to have a specified amount of remaining contractual service in order for an authorized action to be taken. So, in order to come to Korea unaccompanied, you have to have 12 months, right? But now if you wanna bring your family with you, you gotta be here for 12 or 24 months instead of the 12 months, right? So, in order for that to happen, you have to ensure that your ETS date meets that requirement. If it does not, then you must see your service and career counselor to either extend or reenlist to ensure that you meet the time remaining requirement. And so you don't necessarily have to reenlist to to fulfill that. So if you are not in your window, you can do an extension. However, if you are in your reenlistment opportunity window, then the minimum you can do is an 18 month row extension or a two year reenlistment. So it's all about that timing, and so and it's someone like yourself or Sergeant Major who can really answer that question for you, or your battalion mm-hmm. uh, retention yes. person. So what what kind of um, scenarios do you run into those those kind of <laughs> issues with? So there's a few different um, ways in which you would need to you would inc- incur ASR. 
So, like I explained, if you go overseas, then you have to meet the SOR for the overseas assignment. But then there's also other additional um, assignments that require their own SOR to include NCOESs. So, if you go to ALC, you incur a six-month SOR. When you go to S- ALC, you incur a six, uh, six-month SOR. So that means that upon graduation, you must have at least six months remaining on your ETS. And I think that makes sense because you don't want, like, we don't want to s- devote the resource to someone going to ALC who's then getting out of the army a couple weeks later. You know, that wouldn't really make sense for anyone. Right. So another one is battle staff, right? A lot, a lot of soldiers don't understand that, or leaders, I should say, because battle staff is for leaders. When they go to battle staff, they have to have at least 12 months. So that is, it's important to ensure that not just the soldier, but the leadership and the retention in the S1 shops are truly having an open line of communication with each other because a lot of actions will go through S1 and then the soldier actually doesn't meet the requirement. Therefore, now S1 is tracking the soldiers get to do these things, but because they don't communicate, um, the soldier actually isn't qualified. Hmm. So in order for it to be effective, the retention in the S1, G1 shops must have an open line of communication. So here at 19th ESE, uh, our relationship with the S1 or G1 shop is amazing. And we communicate on a daily basis on any action taken to ensure that we have that SOR uh, met. In addition, we created soldier statement of understanding slips that are now been added to the 19th ESE SOP so in order for a soldier to take any action that gets run through G1, if it requires any extension or re-enlistment, anything that has to do with an SOR, they must come see their servicing retention NCO or mm-hmm. career counselor. And staying a little bit longer on the battle staff one, because like when senior folks, you know, start looking at that one, that's a class a lot of people look at. Are there any other additional requirements for that that trip up people who want to go to battle staff? So the only the only thing that is retention related would be the 12 month SR. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, a big one people like to go to for sure. Um, Sergeant Major, any, anything else you want to add? Yes, that? along with that, NCOES courses, those also are, is a big one. Just like promotion that requires a service from any requirement. And what many people don't realize is that when the Army placed them on assignment instructions or on uh, – Um, going to a school or anything like that, they want something in return. So the soldier owes that to the Army, whether they ask for it or whether they don't. So that's why uh, it's a prereq. They can't get the benefit of the action until they first have the time to do it on the the back end. So, yeah. Okay. And then um, another another important, anything else you want to add to that? So for the SRRs, it's also important to note that we, as in retention, we are required to notify the leaders and the soldiers in which they have been placed on assignment and action needs to be taken, right? So a lot of the questions are, well, what if I don't want to go? Well, this is where we get into <laughs> this is where we get into the meat and potatoes of retention, right? So, like I stated on our last podcast, is there's a misconception that retention is only about reenlistment. We are responsible for the soldiers' careers. We are. Ins- it is our job to ensure that the soldiers have all of the information in order to make an educated decision, right? 
So if the soldier does not meet the SOR and they do not want to take the action, then an action has to be taken, right? Which leads us to either a declination of continued service statement or re-enlistment or extension, right? Career counselors, we have to counsel them within 30 days of being placed on this assignment to inform them that they need to take an action. If the service member does not take an action within that 30 days, we have to complete a 4591 or 4991, sorry. And if the soldier refuses to sign it, we're going to send it to the leadership and that that will go in their I-perms and they will be coded and they will no longer be able to re-enlist unless it's reversed and that has to be done through HRC. So deck statements are very detrimental to the point where it is not like you get to say, hey, I'm going to sign this today and then tomorrow you change your mind. Mm. So you have to ensure that if, if that's the route you want to go, you really need to make sure that you have a solid plan for when you do transition out of here. So if you were to sign a deck statement in Korea, your DROS is going to be adjusted by G1 to two days prior to your ETS date so that you're not eligible to go somewhere else, mm. if that makes sense. And then the other side of that, you mentioned also extending in lieu of a deck statement. So that's basically saying instead of taking this next assignment the Army gave me, I'm going to stay in Korea longer? So if they can do an FSTE. Uh, however, it is approved by HRC, and again, that is a G1 function. So if a service member is trying to do an FSTE, they do not go through their service and career counselor, they go through G1. Hmm. So, And that, that's the, the biggest thing to understand is retention only can change ETS dates. G1 can is the one that does the DROS. So the, if you're trying to do anything with your DROS, you got to go to G1. Try and do anything with your ETS, you got to go to retention. And I can see why that would need to go through HRC because if you're if someone's staying in Korea longer, that could affect someone else's, you know, assignment to Korea, you know, taking up. Exactly. Mm. So it's, I'm going to let Sarah Major hit on that one because this is her favorite topic. Mm. So with the DROSIS, well, before I get into DROSIS, I want to first add one thing onto what Sarp First Class Record mentioned about the SRRs. Um, and she mentioned something about uh, the declination statement. With that, I just wanted to add a lot of soldiers feel like when they sign that declination statement, if they decide that they don't want to fulfill the service remaining requirement, that those orders or whatever their own assignment for, whatever the Army is asking them to do, it'll just go away. Well, that is not necessarily the case. They can sign a declination statement or a first term statement, and still the Army could be like, okay, I see you don't want to go, but I'm still going to send you anyway. So I just wanted to add that that little piece in. It could still end up going. Uh, and the Army, I just waved the time. I've seen it done. I'm sure sorry, First Class Record and many other um, soldiers out there have seen that done as well. Now, DROSIS, this is a... a a headache here, not just in Korea, but across any any overseas command has these these issues. But it's it's a little it's a little rough here, which we're working on, and we need the support of everyone in 19th ESC, the the soldiers and the leaders, to pay attention to this. So with DROSIS, as Sarp First Class Record has mentioned, when someone come over to Korea, whether it's unaccompanied or accompanied. It, it incurs a service remaining requirement, we say SRR. Um, with DROS, DROSIS is the date 
eligible for return from overseas. That is when the Army is already projecting. They, they, they're looking out and projecting when someone is going to leave from overseas. When they see that date, soon as a soldier arrives in Korea, they receive a DRO state, which is on the SRB. Okay? So that date um, lets the Army know, hey, this is when the soldier is leaving, and we have to have another soldier and their family, if they're bringing family, on orders to come overseas. It's, it's, a, costly, it's a costly thing. It's, it's dealing with the whole marketplace, which I'm not going to get on that on this podcast because that's a whole other topic. But those DROSs, it's needed for manning the organization and making sure that the organization have enough people in place and that there is no gaps. We try to close gaps. When I say we, I'm speaking on behalf of the Army on this one. Try to make sure there's no gaps in between somebody leaving and someone coming in for continuity. The issues we're seeing here is we're seeing a lot of soldiers who has a D-Rose. They're supposed to have been gone, let's say last month was their D-Rose, but they're still sitting in country today when they were supposed to be gone. And that is a accountability piece on the soldier and the leadership on making sure these soldiers meet their D-Rose and get out of here on time. Another thing that we're seeing, we're seeing soldiers arrive in country and their ETS date which is the day that you get out the Army, your contract is up. Their ETS date is before their DROS, which is crazy. How can someone DROS be after their ETS date? So that is an issue um, that we're working with with MPD. Uh, we're trying to get the states on board as well, the United States on board as well, so they will stop um, sending soldiers over to Korea with not enough time to fulfill their service remaining requirement. So those are the main two issues that we're seeing with DRO states. And the way ahead of that is when leaders sit down with their soldiers and do the monthly counselings as they should be doing. We used to have this thing called payday activities. Um, leaders should be sitting down with their soldiers every month, if not sooner, to look over their SRBs, look at their dates, make sure, hey, let me look at your ETS date. Is this right? Are you flagged and shouldn't be or vice versa? They should be looking at all the admin data. And first sergeants and squad leaders, I said first sergeants, but let me back it up and start from squad leaders and above, need to know where their soldiers are. They need to know when their soldiers d is, just like they would know or they should know when their soldiers are uh, up for promotion, when they're eligible for promotion. d is no different. It's, it's huge here. And uh, Sergeant Record, you got anything you want to add on that? Uh, so I just want to touch base with uh, going back around to answer Sergeant Ross's question is by soldiers extending their DROs or staying in country longer than expected and or returning prior to expected, it is a, like Sergeant Major Washington said, it's a manning issue for the Army, right? So the Army sees who they have where for what MOS is, what skill levels, and then a soldier passes their DROS or the soldier puts in a curtailment. Now, HRC, the big army, has to figure out, well, how are we going to fill these gaps? So it doesn't seem at our level where it, it could throw so much stuff off. But in all reality, we're throwing off the person next and then the person before, right? So the, the person who's actually here is trying to 
either stay or leave early. And then the person who is supposed to fill their slot, now either there's going to be a void where there's somebody not covering or the overlap is going to be so much that the next person who is supposed to come replace that per- the second person is at- now actually going to show up at a later date or there's going to continuously be an overlap. So it's really all about manning and positioning and that is why G1 and retention should have such a close relationship that we have those talent management conversations and we're discussing who we're tracking as losing and who we're tracking as coming in so that we know where exactly these soldiers need to go in order to be the most effective, not just for the unit, but for themselves. Like soldiers have to be able to progress. And if we're throwing off all these D-rows because we still have soldiers that are here that shouldn't be here, we have soldiers that have left that we weren't tracking, we're supposed to be leaving, that's going to throw off the talent management for the unit. So the overall organization, though... Some may think, oh, well, if there's an overlap, it's good. Well, at some point, you're going to have an underlap, right? So to answer your question, it's it's all about manning. And something the Sergeant Major said, so this staying past your D-rows, I didn't even realize that was an issue. So is, is does that happen with soldiers who they have PCS orders that's going to take them someplace and they – are still out processing or what, what is the, how, how does that usually work? It's a mixture of both. Uh, so sometimes you'll have soldiers who are past their D rows. Uh, they are on assignment to go somewhere, but they're like, Oh, well I put in an AIP or an FSTE. So I didn't have to go, but the action wasn't completed. Therefore they were, when you put in an FSTE or an AIP, if you're placed on assignment, If the AIP or the FST is approved, it does not automatically mean that the assignment is going to be deleted. So it is the responsibility of the soldier and the leadership to check to make sure that they've fallen off that assignment and HRC removed them. If HRC did not remove them from that assignment, a 4187 for deletion has to be processed through G1. If they submitted an AIP or an FST and they were on assignment and they haven't gotten an answer, they have to act as if the answer is no which seems to be the disconnect here, right? So some soldiers are like, oh, well, I put in the AIP so I don't have to go. Mm. No, you still have to act like you're leaving, (laughs) right? And so that's kind of a little bit of, that is how retention and G1 has got together and we created the soldier statement of understanding and place it in the SOP. So now when a soldier in processes and out process, they will fill out a uh, SOU that just states whether or not they meet the SOR for either coming here to Korea, because when they arrive, we have 45 days, we as in the career counselors, have 45 days to counsel these soldiers to say, hey, you meet these requirements. So as our major was saying, we have some soldiers that show up that don't meet the SOR because they're DROSs before their ETS date. So by regulatory guidance, a career counselor should be counseling them within 45 days of arrival to say, hey, or you- DROs after their ETS date. Right, right? DROs mm-hmm. after, mm-hmm. right? So service and career counselors have 45 days to counsel these soldiers and say, hey, you don't meet the SOR, you need to take an action. The issue is you got to in process, right? So once we get the importance of the in processing and ensure that all of the soldiers do in process, now they're going to fill out the SOUs, which is- to that is our counseling to say hey either you meet the SR or you don't and if you don't these are the actions you need to take and you have 45 days to make it happen in addition g1 has also placed an additional sou for 
FSDEs, CSPs, and AIPs in the SOP. So now if any soldier in 19th ESC submits a 4187 for any action to continue their tour here, they have to have an additional sheet filled out and signed by their service and career counselor to s- ensure that they meet the SOR to take these actions. And this, this all came about in the, like fairly recently, less like six months or so? or So we've got it added to the SOP last month. So uh, it's still fairly new. So there's still a few that, you know, kind of unfortunately get kicked back mm-hmm. and say, hey, you're missing something, right? Because people got to adapt and accept and change and right. Um, but we're doing really well. We start we started with over 182 DROS issues and we're down to 87 right now. Yeah. So uh, that's within 30 days. Wow. So <laughs> and a little less than 30 days, but it was close to 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're making progress. It's just you really need to ensure that the soldiers and the leaders are communicating with each other so that they know what to look for. And if they don't know, go to your service and career counselor, go to your G1 and ask those questions because you can't teach what you don't know. But if you're not asking those questions, you're not going to learn. Definitely. And another huge part on that is um, leaders need to know when their soldiers are leaving leaving country or should be leaving. And that's not the time to go put them on some detail that's going to take them out the loop so they can't properly clear and out process. Because um, we... There has been some 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 situations where it's not the soldier's fault for missing their uh, movement to go back to the United States or to move on to wherever their orders is. It's been leadership um, that interfered and hindered the soldier soldier leaving leaving. So we definitely need the leaders to be engaged on this and take care of their soldiers like that's what we're supposed to do, especially as uh, NCOs. Um, our job is to take care of our soldiers and make sure they're they're good to go. And that leads us into taking con- how you can affect your career. You know, it, it it does a lot of things do depend on the individual. Um, and so, your career, as we've we've talked about in these podcasts before, is in your hands. So, um, what 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 do you have to say about that, Sergeant Wrecker? So, so I like to tell my soldiers all the time: no one is going to make or break your career without decisions in which you make. Right. Nobody is going to stop you from being successful if you have a solid plan, right? The Army, overall, back in the day, used to be like, oh, you got to go to college. Got to get a degree. <laughs> and then the Army realized, well, half of us enlisted joined the Army, so we didn't have to go to college, right? <laughs> so now they offer certifications and licensing, right? So you have your TA and now your CA. CA is... I'm not going to say that any of those programs on the CA is easy. Uh, I have completed one, and I am working on my second and shooting for a third here in a few months. They're not easy. It is not a walk in the park, but it is accomplishable, right? You can absolutely achieve these goals if you put in the effort. The Army Cools website is amazing, I love it. I preach it every day to every soldier that walks into my office, whether it's enlisted or warrant officer. I ask them, have you looked at the coolest website today? <laughs> right? They're like, oh, well, I don't I don't want to do this job when I get out. Okay, cool. Go find Cool's website 
and go look up whatever MOS is closest to what you want to do when you get out of here. And what is that? What, is that cool.army.mil or? So cool.army.mil. Okay. I, lucky guess. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. So there's an enlisted and a warrant officer section. You can search any MOS in the United States, in, in the Army, right? And it's also updated monthly. So if there's a certification that a particular career field is looking at and you're like, man, I read this article last week and it said that this certification is real, it is what you need to be successful in this specific employment. And you're like, oh man, it's not on the cool's website. It may be next month. Mm. So just because you don't see it the first time, or it could be underneath a different MOS. So for example, right, when I was a 15 Tango, I knew I was not going to do aviation things when I got out of the Army. I'm not even doing aviation things now in the Army, right? <laughs> but I did aviation for 13 years. I knew that I wanted to be a career counselor because I want to lead and guide these soldiers to be successful. So I went to the coolest website and I started doing human resource, which is a 42 Alpha, and I was a 15 Tango. And you hadn't had any 42 Alpha training? No 42 Alpha training. But if you look at the Cools website, it says eligibility, right? You have to have four years of human resource management. Well, in all reality, I've been in the Army for 15 years, almost 15 years, right? And I've been an NCO since 2006. Human resource is being able to lead and guide mm -hmm. your, your employees, right? I leading guide soldiers as an as an NCO. It is my job to take care of my soldiers. So as long as I'm doing my job as a leader, then I have human resource yeah, like experience. How many personnel actions did you initiate and see through? You know, in all that time. Exactly yeah. right. How many 4856s did I write? How many 4187s? How many DA 31s did I send forward? Mm -hmm. So just because the Cools website says that you have to have X amount of years to do something, the if you're, if you don't know if you meet that qualification, go see your servicing career counselor because they may be able to assist you in getting, showing how you are eligible and you meet those uh, qualifications. Yeah, so Sergeant Records, she hit on the educational opportunities offered through um, the COOLS website, um, utilizing uh, credentialing assistance with which people. Um, everyone gets $4,000 for credentialing assistance to get a certification. And then there's a second pot of money, um, which is your tuition assistance, where you go and you get your associate's degree, bachelor's, master's, and, and that sort. So, yes, everyone needs to take a, uh, advantage of that to, to set themselves up for not only outside of the Army, but those those type of credentialing opportunities can also help um, while soldiers are in. And I just want to uh, speak on the, the broaden assignments piece of it for um, career development. So basically, um, broadening opportunities, they these are crucial in developing leaders with a wide range of experiences and skills who can operate in an ever-changing global environment. So the Army wants diverse soldiers. So what happens is people can get in one job, you know, at one location, and they are the super soldier. They're the best thing ever. But when you remove them from that and you put them in a total different type of organization um, and you add a little bit to them, 
the best just became one of the worst. They're not doing so well. So the Army wants um, diversity in soldiers, which is why it's good for people to not sit at the same duty station forever and ever, to get out, go somewhere. Because everywhere, every organization, um, every installation does something different. And the culture at these different locations is different as well. So soldiers need to be able to adapt to our surroundings. So that is why it's good to get out and get around. Also with broadening opportunities, these are those positions that sets a soldier apart from their peers. Um, when you start talking about broadening assignments versus a normal, you know, just a normal assignment, you're talking strategic level now, such as drill sergeant, AIT instructor, um, recruiter, things like that. You, you, when you work every day, you're not just affecting your squad or your platoon or your company. You're actually affecting the army because the soldiers, when they leave your care and leave your training and, instruct, and instruction, they can go worldwide to any assignment anywhere. So these are the assignments that, that again, help someone or, or a soldier or a leader stand out from their peers. And um, talent management is used to select people for these positions. And some of the, I'm going to give you an example of broadening assignments, and then I'll come back to the talent management piece. When I'm talking broadening assignments, I'm talking things that like joint, uh, joint environments, such as the National Security Agents, NSA, everybody know about the NSA, NATO, I already mentioned drill sergeant recruiting, AIT, platoon sergeant instructor, ROTC instructor, IG, which is inspector general, um, the brigade level sexual assault response coordinator or sexual harassment assault response and prevention coordinator, EOA assignments. These are just a few. And I have some more. Um such as uh, White House Communications, the Old Guard, 160th SOAR, 75th Ranger, Airborne, uh, Aerosol, EO Duty. And those are all places where to to actually work there, you can't say, okay, I want to go there. You have right. to you have to show them that you're you're worthy of going there. You have to, and I'm glad you said that, which goes back to the talent management piece. Yes, uh, sorry, first class Ross. You got to show people that you're worthy to go to these type of assignments, the SVAB, White House Communications, Transportation. Um, be, and to do that, it starts early. It starts early. Making yourself be the best. Everything you do, excel in it. Your report card is writing your your application to be selected for something like this. Um, evaluations. You want to always make sure your evaluations is good. And it's diversity in your evaluations. Do some community service. Um, get out. Be a leader. Um, and I'll speak on that on a different podcast as far as evaluations is concerned. But yes, that's these are those type of broad assignments that's going to um, set a person apart from their peers and propel them to the next level. Um, and I wanted to hit on one thing you said, Sergeant Major, before we move on. But so you mentioned the four thousand dollars in credentialing and tuition assistance. And so another website to look at also is cool. So Army Ignited, when that first came out, had a lot of problems. That's when I was starting my graduate 
degree. And so, but if you look at our, you don't hear about those problems with Army Ignited anymore. They've, they've cleaned them up and it's, I think it's way easier to use than Go Army yet. Um, it's a very intuitive website. And when you hear that it's $4,000, that may sound like not that much, especially for a master's degree, but there are, if you talk to your leaders and find that there are some MOS specific like partnerships with institutions like myself, I'm, in part of the first cohort of a public affairs um, a, uh, partnership with West Virginia University. So I'll basically, I'll end up paying only for textbooks with, with my degree program. So there are those yes. programs out there. If you talk to, to other people in your career field, you can find them. Each, each career management field, CMF, they have certain programs that they're actually co- trying to connect with. For 79 years, career counselors, right? Our proponent has linked it so that we can do pilot programs through the SHRM Human Resource Management Program, which assist with the SHRM CP and the SHRM SCP. So if you're if you have questions, you can go to your servicing career counselor and you can ask them to contact your proponent and just reach out and say, hey, what is our proponent doing? So it's, it's very important that there is an open line of communication. Being able to expand, not just in the organization that you're in, but for yourself, right? Furthering that education, it doesn't have to be the traditional going to go get a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, though that's great if you are. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm, I will support you 100% of the the way if you have questions come by all means come see me and i will do what i can to help and if i can i'm gonna send you to the education center because they are the smes but every proponent is expanding so you have to and all every proponent has their own newsletter if you're in whatever cmf you're in get a hold of that newsletter aviation they used to have ps books 79 years we get a message book that thing updates all the time right because our policies are always updating um but we also get messages just it's amazing it tells you what the field is doing but if you don't know where to go you don't know what you're looking for right you don't know that exists you don't know where to go ask so if you have any questions that has to do with your career go see your servicing career counselor they can square you away you just got to you got to make the first move by entering their door. And to add to that, you see your career counselor and two other sources where you can go get pull information on um, development and some of these opportunities uh, is the um, DA PAM 600-25, which is the U.S. Army Non-Commissioned Officer Professional Development Guide. And there, everyone has Army Career Tracker. If you go on that, yep. you can actually pull your career map and you can see um, – you can see the school that you need You can uh, for the level that you're working based off of rank and, and MOS. You can see the schools that you need, military schools and civilian that you should be at per rank for your MOS. You can see assignments for your MOS per rank. And you can see broadening assignments and opportunities as well per MOS uh, per rank. Just going to your uh, Army career, tr- going to logging on to Army Career Tracker. So those are some helpful resources as well. 
And one last thing I wanted to talk to you about before you get out of here, I'll just allow you a little bit of time to brag. So I already talked with Sergeant Major about this, but Sergeant Wrecker, what was it like accepting the retention award from uh, PV6 from Lieutenant General Bill Burleson? It makes me proud. Uh, I am honored to be a part of this team, but I didn't do it. My team did. I just happened to be the guy standing in front of the stairs to receive it. Without my team, I wouldn't have gotten anything. We wouldn't have these awards to sit in our office and brag and show off. So in all reality, I got to thank my team. Staff Sergeant Silva, Sergeant Jimbra, uh, Sergeant First Class Roadwald, Sergeant Gonzalez, Sergeant Hernandez, uh, Sergeant Valdez. They made this happen. And we made it happen again already. We were the first one as an army for fiscal year 22 to accomplish the army mission. So you've already, I remember we, I first heard that it kind of, I had to hear it again. So you've already b- gotten your mission done for FY 22. Yes. <laughs> so we, we were, had just received our awards for last fiscal year. And two days prior to receiving those awards, we had already received, we had already completed our fiscal year 22 mission. So with that said, I just want to add in there, it's great that we have accomplished our mission. At the end of the day, if we take care of our soldiers, the the mission takes care of itself. So though getting these awards are amazing and they feel great, and some people will say, oh, well, it's a nice NCOER bullet. It is. But at the end of the day, all I care about is taking care of these soldiers, and that's what my team cares about. If that means that we don't get you to re-enlist today, then we don't re-enlist you today. If there's a better option for you because you need to wait, well, you're going to wait because we want what's best for you and what's best for your family and what's best for your career. So the awards are amazing. Again, I couldn't do it without my team, and I could not I could not be prouder of the team that we've had since being here in Korea. It has been amazing. Um, just like any other place in the world, you have your ups and your downs, and you have your days that you're just like, oh, well, how are we going to make this happen today, right? The mission has never been a problem here. One of the things that drives this mission is our on-orders report. The on-orders report is because of the SORs. For a soldier to go to their follow-on assignment, they got to take an action to meet their SOR. So Korea is a little different, I would say. The on-orders report drives us. Hmm. So the awards are great. I felt (laughs) very honored to be there, but... Is nothing like taking care of a soldier. And at the end of the day, if I didn't get an award, but I knew that I could look in the mirror and say that I took care of every single soldier that walked in my office, I would give those rewards back if I had to. But I'm going to take care of those soldiers, and so will my team. Wow. Well, that's very, very well put, Sergeant Wrecker. What I want to thank both of you for coming by, Sergeant First Class Wrecker, Sergeant Major Washington. We will talk to you again in the future. We'll do a three-peat. Um, but again, if you have it, these are obviously the experts, both of you. And um, if you're, you know, have your servicing uh, retention person, they're just they have all this information too. Uh, your unit, your battalion. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. <laughs>